Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to Small Business Digest on Blog Talk Radio. Now entering its fifth year, this show is hosted by Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Each week he brings you advice and information from experts and small business leaders like yourself. Each show is designed to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas from authors, experts, and small business leaders, just like most of the individuals who make up our audience. Whenever possible, Small Business Digest tests the products and services featured on the show to ensure they are of a quality to help listeners grow their small business. Guests do not pay to appear, but are chosen for their ability to provide ideas and suggestions to improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like what you hear, tell others about the program. If you have a question or suggestion, email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Should you want to join us on this program during our live hour each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, dial 646-929-2337. That's editor at is-incorp.com or 646-929-2337. We're only as good as our guest and audience make us. We're a little early today. This is Don Mazzella. With us, I'm, I'm really pleased. We have a, a, a great lineup, but, uh, starting with J- Joe Carlin. He, he's here to discuss his book, A Brief History of Entrepreneurship, The Pioneers, The Profiteers, and The Racketeers Who Have Shaped Our World. Uh, Joe, Joe, welcome to this program, and I'm really looking forward to talking with you. Thanks, Don. Very glad to be here. Well, first off, as we ask all our guests, tell us a little bit, bit about yourself personally. Um, how did you come to? Uh, what's your background, and how did you come to write the book? Sure. So I've been spending the last fifteen years providing different services to entrepreneurs, business plans, valuations, business valuations, and patent valuations and market assessments, and mostly strategic documents like that. And I've had a privilege of working with some very talented entrepreneurs, uh, some of whom have established fairly large businesses, and some of whom are are operating very successful uh, one- or two-man shops. And the... The power of ideas that I see with entrepreneurs really got me curious about what has been the impact of entrepreneurship, not just on economic, on the economic world, but on on other aspects of life throughout history. So when I did research about that for the proposal, I was struck by how many really massive changes in history were, were instigated by entrepreneurs, and that's what inspired me to write the book. Okay. Um, can you give us a couple of examples of, of who you found and what you found in terms of entrepreneurship? 
Sure. So, for example, the the Industrial Revolution, the original one that happened in Britain, that was really an entrepreneurial change. It was uh, people who were most of whom were of very modest birth, who were had ideas in terms of uh, improving efficiencies, let's say in the textile industry or in uh, energy related issues like uh, coal. And they were able to not only they using very disciplined in a very disciplined scientific way, they developed them and then they they went one step further and built them into in, in some cases built them into very successful businesses. And this is significant because what happened because of that is you had all these initially in in Britain, you had people who were living in these ancestral villages for hundreds of years were suddenly forced out of there to go work in factories. So of course that completely changed society in uh, initially in Britain, but then throughout much of Europe and then the uh, Americas as well. So that's that's uh, one interesting example, and another interesting example is you know we think of the explorers who well actually I'll go back further in like I'll go back to ancient Rome where entrepreneurship was really was often left to slaves which sounds kind of odd but it was a way of slaves getting their freedom by running and in some cases even establishing businesses for their masters and then they'd get their freedom and in some cases they'd, they'd build a store into a chain and become very wealthy even though they were born a slave. So, I mean, there, there are many, many other examples and that's those are historical examples. There's also examples uh, in the 20th century and examples and, and right now the most impressive example I think is space tourism where you have entrepreneurs like Richard Branson, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos who are when you know the government stepped away from the space program a while ago and they're they're stepping in and they're building the space tourism industry which which already exists. I mean in 2001 a, a very wealthy person was charged 20 million dollars to go up in orbit for eight hours and so this this space tourism industry has existed for a while, but now it's it's going in another direction where the average person, probably within a few decades, will be able to to travel to space. Uh, so I think in the, the fact that that's actually an entrepreneurial initiative more than anything else, more than the government initiative, shows what how impactful entrepreneurship uh, can be. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you can look at look at <clears throat> look at all of the um, um, millionaires in, in Silicon Valley, but but uh, and but th there's an argument that uh, entrepreneurship is really w um, uh, what built America. And if you really look at it, the, uh, uh, you know, entrepreneurs uh, have been with us since the, uh, the uh, since Jamestown. Uh, there's evidence that uh, someone uh, took up the uh, uh, in Jamestown uh, uh, took took up uh, creating tools, etc. But in in you and 
in your mind um, and in your book, uh, who do who do you think are two of the three uh, greatest entrepreneurs that you ran across? Well, I think that presently, I think it's really hard to it's hard to think of a more impressive entrepreneur than Elon Musk in in, in our current century. I mean, somebody who in 95, he started a, uh, an online business that had the integrated reviews and maps and all the things we take for granted now. And he, he, him and his brother started a business like that in 1995, which I think is, is it's incredible how far sighted he was. And then, of course, he, he co-founded PayPal. And then he now he's got three businesses running in terms of uh, Tesla, uh, electric cars, and Solar City, of course, solar power, and SpaceX, which is arguably the leading space tourism company. And he, he's able, he's sort of like a Steve Jobs in the sense that he's able to combine great uh, scientific innovation with, with great business skill, and it's an extremely rare combination. I think the last person who was like that was Steve Jobs. Uh, so that's certainly, he's certainly number one, I think, it, presently uh, in terms of being an innovative entrepreneur. But see, that's that's something that the, the book really goes into is that there's different types of entrepreneurship. I mean, recently we've been think, we think in terms of sort of the Steve Jobs type of entrepreneur. But of course, most entrepreneurs are not, necessarily technical geniuses and of course there are many technical geniuses and great inventors who are terrible entrepreneurs so mm -hmm. it's it's a rare occasion when both of those skill sets come together but one can still be a very successful entrepreneur without being a, a great scientific innovator well that's true um uh what comes to mind and is john crapper who invented the uh uh, the, uh, the the toilet uh, the, the toilet bowl, um, right? You know, the, the, I, I'm, uh, in England, it's still called a crapper, but it's no longer called that. You you, you know, that's a you yeah. say there's a, a variety of different uh, people. Can you give us some other examples of that? Of people who have been great uh, inventors, but not great entrepreneurs, or or people who are great, who are examples of great who, entrepreneurs. Who developed the, the simple, uh, the, the simple application that turned into um, a, a great, um, uh, great uh, 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 changers. Well, I, I always think of Eli Whitney, um, you know, okay. the, and the cotton gin, um, yeah, and he died broke. Um, yeah, you know, uh, in fact, they that's not uncommon there there where were uh, I believe the name is Samuel Hargreaves was a great uh one of the great inventors in terms of uh the the uh the, the textile revolutionizing the textile industry and but he never bothered to patent his uh, invention properly and so many people used his uh, innovation and benefited from it. In fact, millions of uh, of of companies who were making textile, and he died 
almost broke, whereas there were others who may not have even invented what they claimed to have invented, but were very aggressive uh, in terms of uh, patents and in terms of, of being first to market who are, you know, our household name. So there's there's definitely some uh, cautionary tale there that, that people have to be, one has to be careful to say, okay, I came up with a great idea, therefore the money's going to flow. It's not, it's not always that simple. Well, you, you talk about profiteers and racketeers. What do you mean by that? So the, you know, this, this book is, is not, it doesn't, it's not, I'm not a cheerleader for entrepreneurship. I mean, there's, there are plenty of examples of, of, uh, of entrepreneurs whose net impact I think is pretty clear that it's been positive. I think Elon Musk is a current example and there are plenty of examples throughout history of, uh, people who've been, who have done very positive things, whether intentionally or not through their entrepreneurial efforts, but there are also a number of entrepreneurs who were essentially underworld entrepreneurs. They were great entrepreneurs in the, in the sense that they knew how to build a business, but they were building a business on whether it was a slave trade or whether it was bootlegging or in the case of uh, a man by the name of Victor Bout, a man who, who sold, who saw an opportunity. I mean, entrepreneurs see opportunities. And they're not always positive opportunities. Victor Bout, when the Soviet Union was was collapsing, and he was he was in the Russian army, saw a huge opportunity to take those weapons and sell them to anyone who would buy, including people involved in civil wars all over the world. And anyway, he was called the sanctions buster. He eventually he he wound up in jail, but for for quite a while he made tremendous money selling arms. And he was a very effective entrepreneur, but he was an underworld entrepreneur. He was he was involved in an illicit uh, product service. If I heard you correctly, you say an entrepreneur is someone who essentially sees an opportunity and provides an answer to uh, to seize it. Am I hearing you correctly? Yeah, I mean that the I think the best. The best definition of entrepreneurship was was provided by uh, Peter Drucker, and uh, he says an entrepreneur is someone who endows resources with a new capacity to create wealth. So, so it's another way of saying what we what we were just saying in terms of someone who sees an opportunity, he sees something, and he says, you know what, this something can be done with this thing, no matter what it is. Uh, trade route, a product, service, something can be done with it to monetize it more effectively. And it's interesting because the, the word entrepreneur, the origin of the word entrepreneur comes from a French economist. And it's an old French word that uh, is kind of loosely translated as undertaker. But before... <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, has a bit of a but uh but before before that in the English language people used to use the word adventurer sort of for like an economic adventurer yes. so someone who was striking out on on his or her own was uh, an adventurer and i think in some ways adventurer is is maybe a better word than entrepreneur but 
it's uh but the, yeah they, they both capture that the essence of someone who sees an opportunity and has the courage to try and make something out of it absolutely absolutely i i, I love that um would you mind repeating that one from peter drucker uh because i think it's such an accurate one and i um and i haven't heard it before in a long time sure i'm gonna make sure i get it 100 percent uh correct here yeah the act that in okay Peter Drucker defined entrepreneurship as the act that endows resources with a new capacity to create wealth. That's a that's a wonderful line. I, I think I yeah. have to use it in one of our, our our stories soon because it fits. And I love that uh, the the one about adventuring. That that that's why sometimes we need books like yours. Uh, Joe, would you repeat uh, the the title? Uh, your name and how people can get the book because it's it, it, it's just a wonderful book. Sure. So my name is Joe Carlin, C A R L E N. The book is a brief history of entrepreneurship. It can be found at Amazon and also can be found on my website value-guards.com. What what made you decide to write the book? We never quite got to that point. Well, I thought it was an interesting premise. You know, what what has been the impact of entrepreneurship over the years? And also, I think by examining that and looking at all these different entrepreneurs going all the way back to ancient times, the entrepreneur learns a lot about entrepreneurship and what what succeeds and what fails. And uh, a quote that that I use a lot when when speaking about the book is by Winston Churchill. He says, "The farther back you can look, the further ahead you can see." And I think that definitely applies to entrepreneurship. We really understand the history of entrepreneurship and all the you know what has succeeded and what has failed. The same patterns, the technology changes and everything, but the same patterns, uh, the same underlying patterns of human behavior. Uh, continue. So I think it's it's really useful for entrepreneurs to understand the history of what they do. Well, someone someone has said that uh, entre entrepreneurship is dead because we've uh, we've invented everything that can be invented. What do you say to that? Well, first of all, some of the most successful entrepreneurs in in terms of you know net worth or however however you want to measure it, were not were not and are not particularly innovative. It might be sometimes they come up with tweaking an existing concept in a very minor way, and they just know how to promote promote the heck out of it, and they go very far with that. So, uh, so a, I don't think an entrepreneur needs to necessarily invent something uh, radically new, and b, I I don't believe that everything has been invented. I think we're we're there's, there's really it's it's endless how many things can be invented and how many improvements can be made on existing things. I want you to stay on because you're you're just dealing. Uh, let me ask you um, back to this word adventure. Um, Sir Walter, um, when I was growing up, we talked about Sir Walter Raleigh. 
and and his ability to um, uh, and his famous putting his cloak in front of Queen Elizabeth, etc. Uh, mm-hmm. And there were uh, they say that adventure is really founded America. Do you believe that? And uh, 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 what's your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I th- actually, there's an entire chapter in uh, in the book called A New World of Profit about the pioneers and the other people who not only uh, settled, not only were the first European settlers in in uh, here, but also in in Latin America and, and elsewhere. Uh, what's in, what was really fascinating to me is that we often think that that you know it was just a bunch of governments sending people over and whatnot, but actually most of those people were were not funded by governments. They were funded by private merchant companies. So, yes. which means that it, it was actually groups of entrepreneurs who were backing the adventurer on the on the seas, who was an, another entrepreneur, uh, to do to colonize or to to set up a new route or whatever it might be and so in fact the the whole project uh initially there was a government involvement but most of most of what happened was really an entrepreneurial activity that the governments didn't have much to do with so that is a a tremendous example of (laughs) the impact of of entrepreneurship Uh, joe i see our next guest is uh ready to come on board, but I, I have to invite you back to talk more about your fascinating book. Uh, we're, we're talking with J- Joe Carlin. He has a new uh, a book called A Brief History of Entrepreneurship, and I, I have to tell you, it's, it's a fascinating book. Joe, thank Great. you so much for being with Go ahead. Thank you, Don. You get the last word. Thank you, Don, and uh, again, like to look at the book, it's value-guards.com. You got it. Have a have a good day. You too. Joe, and thank you for so much for being with us. Thanks. It's been my pleasure. Our next guest is Sam Darwish. He's uh, he's founder of Firecracker to uh, providing uh, comprehensive technology solutions SMBs. Dan Sam, welcome to the program. Uh, that that's not who I am. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is Gary Moore. Well, then that's my fault. I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for not being Sam, but what can I say? No, uh, who are you? I am Gary Malloy. I'm uh, CEO of Money Mail. Okay, I'm sorry, Gary. Gary Malloy is here to talk about the five tips to spring cleaning. I just got the script mixed up. But the, uh, But that's not the first time that's happened. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, at least you can laugh about it. Some some people get all huffy about it. Uh, Gary, not at all. Malloy, not at all. Well, welcome to the program. Thank you, uh, Gary. First, tell us uh, your company and a little bit about yourself personally, and where people um, can uh, uh, find more information. One. Before we go into anything else, sure enough. Well, I'm uh, I'm the CEO of uh, Money Mailer, which is a 
a company that's focused on what we call uh, hyper-local businesses, but that means small business America. Uh, we, we, uh, we provide direct mail product predominantly, but also Internet and, uh, and mobile apps uh, for small businesses uh, to help them create demand for their products and services. Um, I, I personally grew up in a, in a uh, family that ran an independent hardware store and uh, began working in small business America at the age of eight, um, you know, depending on the time of year, anywhere from 10 to 30, 40 hours a week, even at the age of eight, and, and I'm passionate about small business, and, uh, um, and so it's natural for me to be running this company now that, that is committed to helping small businesses across the United States, uh, like I said, create demand for their products and services. Well, I happen to think you, uh, your company is, is one of the uh, most efficient ways uh, for uh, any business to uh, um, uh, generate uh, uh, leads and sales. Um, you've been around, the company's been around a long time, am I correct? Yes, correct. We were formed here in Huntington Beach, California, which is right near our office, uh, about 37 years ago. And basically, um, you're, you you were and still are, but uh, a snail mail snail mail company that uh, took advantage uh, of, of the fact that uh, people do like to have things in their hands. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's it it is a it is a wonderful product that we we provide, and it's one that's welcomed into households across the United States. And uh, you know, we have a ninety five percent open rate, so when it hits the household, it's a it's a welcome guest. Well, uh, can we talk about it? Because I know uh, uh, we're in Bergen County, New Jersey, and um, you're you're uh, the person that ran your operation for many years was a former student of mine, and I uh, and uh, so I, I know I know enough about it to be dangerous. And <laughs> the interesting thing is, um, I haven't seen it for a while, and I was just thinking of. Uh, about it the other day, long before you came on board, I was th- because I hadn't heard from her or anything in uh, at least a year, and I hadn't seen the package in my uh, my house in uh, that long, and I uh, I was missing it because I, I always thought it was a, a great a great marketing tool. Yes, and uh, and it is a great marketing tool, and uh, we've had a couple of. Uh, People who have been uh, in in the New Jersey market, uh, who've been with us as franchisees, which is how we operate um, for 25 to 30 years, we've had a couple of people retire in the last couple of years, and that may be the issue uh, in terms of you're getting a package. And um, you know, we are we are a, a rapidly growing growing franchise company, uh, but nevertheless, uh, some people uh, they they create their own small business, which is our m- method of operating. Uh, as a franchisee and create something that as an asset they they basically sell when they when they get to retirement age it's a wonderful a wonderful system we have frankly and it's a wonderful family of people that we work with well can uh, for for our, our audience can you tell us exactly how um, how it works and um, why it works so effectively yeah absolutely i think one of the keys to it is, is as I just said, the franchise system. Because 
Um, small businesses across the United States, when they deal with money mailer as opposed to any of the other alternatives that, that they may have to advertise and create demand, they're dealing with another small business person. So they're not dealing with a hired sales rep. They're not di- dealing with a large corporation. They're dealing with another small business person who is also uh, trying to make it uh, and succeed in a, in a, in a local market. Uh, so that's the first key, I think. The, they become the marketing consultant, if you will, for uh, small businesses. Um, secondly, it's a, it's a turnkey operation. Uh, they will consult with the individual small business on the terms of the offer they would like to make or the ad that they would like to put into consumers' households. They will help them target the most affluent homes in the neighborhoods around them. Uh, we, we specialize in high-income households that have multiple car ownership and, and uh, higher education and higher income, and that's, that's who we target for our, for our clients. Um, and then the, the ad is created for them. Uh, the mail is executed, and basically the, the, the small business owner doesn't have to worry about anything in the execution of it. It's all handled for them. So you, you in effect, put together a, a, an envelope with 10 or more um, offers in it. Am I correct in that? You are correct. And generally across the United States, we average about 30 offers in an envelope. So, And it ranges from uh, our, our biggest client base is, uh, is restaurants, which is a hugely popular consumer category. Uh, restaurants, uh, entertainment, um, home improvement operators, uh, uh, plumbers, dry cleaners, beauty shops, um, auto services. It's uh, it's a it's a it's like a shopping mall, really, in you know, in a printed form when it arrives in the household, which is why it's so popular and why it gets opened. Uh, it's all local business, and we specialize local business, and uh, that's you know we're our, it's a red, white, and blue envelope, and consumers believe that that means that we are a local small business uh, uh, provider, and and that's that's a key to our success, I think. Well, let me, let me ask you because, because with all the experience, well, people, uh, uh, and, and many of the, the rules that apply to you apply uh, to the internet as well. But people seem sometimes to forget it. But um, the words "free," um, uh, uh, two for one, or things like that work, uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. But uh, how do you convince? Um, uh, potential uh, uh, users that that that's what should happen. Yeah, I think the the part of the part of the coaching that our that our marketing consultants provide to the to the small business operator is is to give them um, our experience uh, and we track it in terms of individual client categories. So a dry cleaner or a, a nail salon or a restaurant. We know the kinds of offers that get the best response um, and will bring in um, not just one-time customers, but create uh, customers who will be returning and remain loyal to the, uh, to the small business over a long period of time. So one of the things we always talk to our, to our clients about is don't think of this as a one-time transaction. Think about the lifetime value of a customer. Uh, because what you're creating are new users and people who are going to be bringing their family in and their family's business for many repeat visits, not just the sing- single transaction. The single transaction is supposed to get them in the door the first time, uh, and we counsel them on what, what is attractive enough to make that, that action happen. 
Can you give us an example of what what might be an attractive offer? Well, let's say yeah, to a restaurant. An, yeah, an attractive offer to a restaurant um, uh, is is something that basically is a is a free meal with the purchase of a meal. Um, it can be a significant price discount. It can be a a uh, usually expressed in dollars is better than in percentage um, because a percentage doesn't tell a consumer what the value is. A dollar amount is obviously a dollar amount. So $15, $20 off off two purchase of two entrees or something like that is a is a much stronger offer. So it should it should be a clear value to a consumer as opposed to a hinted value. Um, for instance, another bad offer is a free dessert with a purchase of a meal because a free dessert, not everybody eats desserts, you know, or a free appetizer, same thing. Not everybody does that. But everybody orders the, the entree, and, and that is an immediate value, whether you express it in dollars or it's a totally free uh, offer. And every 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 restaurant owner gets to make their own decision as to what that what that offer is. Well, that's true. And uh, now um, you create a f- f- uh, f- uh, four-color, uh, beautiful coupons, etc. Uh, how, do, how does one go about it? I mean, is it a complete package? Is it uh, uh, $1 per thousand household? I mean, how, how does, uh, in general, does the uh, marketing cost uh, in, in your system work? Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a great bargain because, again, what we do is we, we share the cost of our execution and postage and everything with with an average, as I said, of about 30 other advertisers, so that what you basically pay is something in the range of three to four cents per household. So that's the cost of reaching a household with your offer. Um, and we, uh, you can, you can, um, you can purchase as few as 10,000 households, or we add, we add in increments of 10,000. Uh, we call them zones. So, uh, so an individual uh, business owner can can simply go in the immediate 10,000 households right around their location, or they can spread to a wider geography. Uh, and, again, it's totally up to them in terms of how they design their marketing plan working with our, with our marketing consultant franchisees. Um, and, and we help them target the areas that have um, the best purchase records for the individual category of business that they are in. So we look at the at the purchase of dry cleaning, let's say, in various 10,000 household zones around their location, and help them uh, put it put their advertising into the most uh, uh, opportune uh, locations. What do you look for in a franchise owner? Um, in a franchise owner, I think the, someone who who loves helping people, because one of the passions that we have as a company is that we are helping other people fulfill the American dream of owning their own business. Um, we not only help our franchisees develop their own business as a company, uh, but our franchisees are equally passionate about the fact that they are helping people uh, that are in small business uh, businesses right around their home uh, who are also trying to succeed. And, and so we, we look for people who like people, who like to deal with people every day, who have a strong sense of integrity, um, and who are just, you know, th- their real objective in life is to be an entrepreneur that has their own business and to help other entrepreneurs form their business and be successful. Uh, the success stories they talk about are when 
you know, they began with a local uh, heating and air conditioning person, and that person had one van and uh, operated their, just a one crew operation. And today they've got 20 vans and 20 teams working, and and they just take pride in that, and their and their personal relationships they form are really important to them. So, so you don't use the postal system; you deliver directly. Am I correct? No, no, we deliver through the postal system. Um, and we deliver on a monthly basis. Our mailings are monthly, so you you uh, you, you pick the schedule that you want, and uh, you can pick every month, or you can pick uh, just the seasons that work the best for you. Obviously, a heating and air a heating uh, service company would prefer the winter months. The um, you know landscape company is in the spring and summer, uh, and so forth. So, and then restaurants are year round. So, um, but we do deliver through the postal system. Well, do you do you also provide uh, to your franchisers uh, national accounts like uh, FiOS or something, um, that, uh, or like the I, I sometimes see the check cashing, uh, check uh, of like deluxe uh, in some of the packages. Mm -hmm. Do you do that as well? Yeah, we have some national advertisers that are in there that are handled by uh, a small sales team that we have in our in our corporate office. Um, people like uh, DirecTV uh, and AT&T, um, uh, you know, uh, Guthy Ranker uh, that, that has proactive the um, acting treatment, um, things that we believe are strong consumer products that, that we think are additive to the, to the envelope, and we basically put those in uh, in addition to the, all the local advertisers that we have. It's a relatively small portion of our envelope, but it, uh, but it is there. Uh, no, I, I happen. I, uh, you know, um, I attend a lot of small business programs and et cetera, and every every they talk about uh, uh, the importance of social media, et cetera. And I happen to think mm -hmm. that um, uh, your product is one of the most overlooked products in, um, uh, ways of reaching audiences of, available. Um, and mm -hmm. I, that's why I'm so glad you're on the program. Thank you. I I agree, obviously, and I I think also that uh, another re another thing that's really overlooked is that much of the you know today the social media and websites and so forth are simply different ways that the consumer reaches out to businesses um, uh, when demand has been created. Uh, the reason that they go to the social media site or the reason that they go to their website is because demand has been created by products like ours. Um, those those avenues for response really weren't there, you know, 10 years ago. Um, you know, there was only the direct phone call to the business or the visit to the business or whatever, but today there's there's alternative ways for them to respond, and we simply create that demand as we have always done, and I think people forget that, and it's uh, it's a simple, cost-effective way to drive people to see your business and contemplate the offers of the services and products you provide. Uh, Gary, how do people reach you or your company or anything else? Yeah, it's a very simple on the website. You can go right to our website, moneymailer.com, um, and uh, you can find information there about uh, everything about our business, uh, how to contact us directly by phone or by Internet. Uh, and also how to contact our franchisees directly if you're interested. Um, you also can inquire about becoming a franchisee, so it's a it's a, a, an easy way for you, for anyone to reach us. 
Gary, thank you so much. Uh, you were here to talk about spring cleaning, but I'd much rather talk about your business because it is such an effective uh, uh, tool that uh, I, I would. I wish more small businesses would use it. I I would agree with you. I think it's really good for their business. And again, my passion is growing up in a small retail family. I uh, I love to see small businesses uh, succeed. So. Well, thank you. And Gary, you'll have to come back and get it and talk more. I appreciate it. It's been wonderful. Enjoyed it. Have a good day. You too. Thanks a lot. Bye. Uh, our next guest is our one I originally said, Sam uh, Danwish. He's a uh, founder of Firecracker. Dan, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I- I'm I'm terrific. How are you? Not too bad. It's actually Sam Darwish. Oh, I'm sorry. I, um, my, okay. my glasses got fogged up. Uh, no worries. Sam, no worries. I'm, no, uh, I, I screwed it up because um, uh, Gary was on. Uh, I had you in the wrong order. Uh, so it's okay. Really gonna, uh, Gary, Gary has a very uh, interesting product, and it's a very uh, nice product. I've seen it on the market. Yes, it is. I happen to be a big fan of it. I'm also a big fan of your product. Um, but uh, let's go back to how we normally do things. First, Sam, tell us a little bit about your, your personal background before we get into anything else. Sure. So uh, I'm Sam Darwish. I'm the CEO of Firehacker and also the CEO of a company called Skinny IT. Uh, I am also a small business owner. So me and my wife own about three different uh, franchise companies, and it's something that we're very passionate about. Uh, my dad was a small business owner, and it's something that kind of shaped the, the fabric of who I was and, and helped me kind of push me in the path that I am today and one of the reasons why I started Firehacker. Okay. Uh, now, what does fire, uh, Firecracker do? I love the title. I love the title of your company. Uh, how did you get that uh, name? You. Well, you know, it's interesting. You today, you're always trying to think of something that uh, kind of in, invokes conversation. And so, when we named Firecracker, the most uh, common mistake with people would say that they call it Firecracker. It's similar to when we started Skinny IT, people would call it Skinny It. And so it's uh, meant to kind of start a conversation, but it also, in a lot of ways, is kind of a play on words where, you know, we offer what we believe is a competitive offer in the marketplace for small businesses, you know, some sort of, we'll call it fire sale. And technology, you do a lot of uh, racking and things like that. So it's kind of a play on words. So what does your company do? Well, Firehacker was born because a lot of the companies that I had worked at or in, in the small businesses, when I worked with a lot of the franchise uh, companies I work with, they would tell you, this is how you go build the store, they give you the plans, the layout, they tell you what about the product. When it came to the technology part of it, it was really a loose uh, process where they would kind of point you in the right direction, they would tell you that here, here are some of the specs that you need, here are kind of the, some of the machines that you would do, and there was no real... Uh, plan for the franchisees. So you end up going to you know a local electronics retailer or some e-commerce site, and you know for the first time, if you did it, and most small business business owners, it's the first time they're doing it. You make a lot of mistakes, and there's really no one to ask questions to. And so you know some of my 
customers at Skinny IT that were launching some franchise businesses started asking me for help around developing some technology standards. And when we when we did it, I realized that a majority of the technology standards, if you develop them in such a way, they can really be used uh, in many avenues for many different small businesses. Um, keep going. You, you're on a. I, I, I just got Absolutely. an email. So, of, so one. Of, no. So one of the things that we noticed was most companies today with the age of credit card risk and fraud, they're not PCI compliant. So our solution, the hardware solution with some software, uh, makes them PCI compliant. Uh, you know, we install a cabinet in the back or somewhere that is not accessible to the public that has a firewall switch. Uh, it contains the back end for the camera system that we install. Uh, we install high-definition cameras in most locations, and they uh, give the owner some level of quality control when they're not at the store. The small business owner, you know, the common, most common thing people tell you is, how does the store run when you're not there? Does it run the same? And so you always want to make sure that, you know, you have that quality control where you can go back and look at things and you can go back and, and you know, if you had a voided transaction, you can tie it back to a timestamp in the POS that we put out and you can go back and look at that time and place and, and see, you know, what was the reason why. Was it, you know, a customer complaint? Was it, you know, truly some sort of issue that goes beyond a customer issue? Was it theft? You know, what could it be? And so by standardizing on the technology, the one of the big differentiators that we offer is in a lot of the verticals, and we, and we did this today for a gym where we they came to us and they have a few hundred gyms throughout the U.S. and they want to grow to some exponential number, and that was the last kind of missing link. And for them, they want to offer a competitive thing where we provided the solution where it was front desk computers, printers, it was the camera system, it was the back end system, and we were able to provide it at a at a price that was about 30% less than anything they had received in the market. But we were also offering to go out and pre-wire the solution during construction, run all the data cables, and then also install all the equipment on site. And that's the big differentiator. There really isn't a company at the national level that is offering nationwide installation services, nationwide break-fix, or the ability for a small business to pay a competitive rate where someone will go on site and give them that personal touch. Uh, you know, And that's where most uh, technology companies fail today. They're not providing that level of service for, for these small businesses. I would like to, I would really like to hone in on that because that is so important. As a small business who, uh, owner who's had to install everything himself over the years, you just uh, talked about the Holy Grail. Would you mind repeating that, Sam, uh, for oh, our absolutely. listeners? <laughs> So I I I, I, I can tell you my own experience. My 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 first small business was a which I still own today with my wife. It's a 10,000 square foot children's party play center. And when we bought all the technology, I bought a camera system because you know kids are jumping around and playing, and you know for insurance reasons we need to have that checked. We have uh, TV screens in our cafe. You know we had a front desk thing, and it's a 10,000 square foot store. It's a retail store. It's a mom and pop store, but it required all of this wiring, cabling, and this installation. And even though I hung up a TV in my home before, I knew it takes me many hours to do that. And this was something at a large scale. And I had to really put together a cumbersome solution where I called around, I Googled various local providers. Uh, you know, I tried my local electronics store, and they couldn't give me that type of service I wanted. 
And when it was all said and done, it was the longest part of the process for me. You know, I was able to build a store quickly. I was able to get a sign. I was able to get someone to help me with local marketing. I was able to find different food service providers. I was able to do everything but actually launch the technology in the store. And when I finally did launch it, none of it worked the right way. I couldn't get my customers the Wi-Fi password the right way. I couldn't get my customers, you know, people on my staff couldn't see the cameras the right way. They weren't positioned properly. And so you know, I couldn't view them remotely, which is one of the big things I wanted to do. And it was so cumbersome. You know, from my own self, you know, before I could open another store, I had to solve that problem. And so that's the one biggest thing as I talked to other small business owners. And when I started FireRacker, I went on this kind of tour and I talked to people. And that was the one big thing they honed in on. They said, you know, we need someone that could come here, provide us that level of service so we felt like they understood the solution that was on site. They didn't spend half the time figuring it out. And so that was as big of a key, you know, us standardizing on a on a solution that was really scalable to many different small businesses and then training our technicians to understand how to install it, how to troubleshoot it, how to be able to service the client. Now that is becoming the easiest part of the job where you can go out and install this hardware, install something for them. If they need additional help, you can go on site and repair it. And it's something that now becomes firsthand nature. So a small business owner can do what they're supposed to be doing, which is run their business, servicing their clients. And that, for us, has been the biggest differentiator. When we, t- when we tell people our story, it is exactly that. They say, how can you get someone on site tomorrow? How can you do that? You know, it's an affordable price. How can you be, you know, uh, the geek squad on a TV installation that we want in, a, you know, in the lobby? And that's something we've we been able to do at a high level. Yeah, but then the question becomes, uh, as an inquisitive newsman, how how are you able to get somebody on site tomorrow or the next day? Well, I think that that is uh, the big question, and we solved it in two ways. Number one is, you know, I look at some of the service where you look at Lowe's or Home Depot and how when you go in a store and you buy a garbage disposal, which I've done before after I broke mine, and you ask them to install it for you. They're not actually going out and doing it themselves. What they've done is they've reached out to many local providers in the area, and they've negotiated a rate with them. They've screened the provider where they've background checked them. They've drug tested them. They make sure they carry some amount of insurance. And so I saw that model as a unique model, and I said, there's really nobody doing that in our technology marketplace today. And if I standardized on some solutions, I could provide some sort of e-learning capability. And so we built our own service management tool that has this e-learning functionality. It allows us to manage these various people that we use uh, throughout the U.S. Uh, It gives them capability where they go out on site, they can troubleshoot, we have guides online, they can go out and install it. We have access virtually to their calendars and their scheduling system. We're fully integrated into that. And so when you call us for service, and we know the product is going to be at your your home or your business tomorrow by 3 p.m. We can then schedule it. We can see which of our providers is available at 4 p.m. for that installation, and they can go on site. So it's a unique proprietary software that we've built that's real-time scheduling. You know, And it's kind of like an Uber for IT services, but I would say it's a lot more personable. It's uh, more proactive, and it's a little bit uh, higher touch in that regard. Well, you, well, lately, according to some people, Uber is a, a dirty word, but but what if if I heard you correctly, and I want to make sure uh, our, our our audience hears this because I think this is so very important. Um, you in effect 
uh, identify uh, individuals who can do the job in various cities across the country. And when something comes up like that, you 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 uh, direct them there, and you guarantee the quality of the work. Would that be a summation of it? That is uh, at the highest of levels. We do have a very thorough process where we go through, we interview them, we send them out on some uh, test jobs. We also have local project management in a lot of the we call NFL cities. You know, your 30 ma- major metro markets, and we have people go out and supervise them on some of them. And so there's a QC process. We have mystery shopping that we put out where you know we'll send people or give them free installations and, and uh, various things they've bought on them, even if they didn't buy the installation from us, so we can quality control that process. As we uh, grow out our process, and we've done today in Dallas and a couple other markets, we have added uh, technicians that are W-2 full-time employees of FireRacker, and they are people that work for us. And that's a model that we'll use moving forward where we'll have more of our own people, but it'll never be a complete model. It's just too difficult to service the entire U.S. as big as we are. And so, but that quality process, I think that you'll see, and, you know, I know you mentioned, you know, Uber might be a dirty word, but I think the reality is most of the things that you, that happen today in your home uh, or in your business, you know, if you buy a washer and dryer, you know, a lot of times it is a subcontracted company that goes out and does that work and they're just wearing the shirt and the badge. You know, you buy satellite TV service. If you look closely at the badge uh, beyond the shirt, it is a contractor that does that work. So this is really a system that has been going on for decades now in the U.S. Uh, that's not anything new. And so I think that the difference now today in the market is uh, you have people that have gone direct to consumer in a way that they've removed some of those uh, comforts in terms of, you know, putting people in the shirts. But if you think about food delivery service and how it's taken off, some of the companies that have, you know, you basically have people that are Uber drivers or taxi drivers are delivering your food to your home now. And the differentiator has been where they've taught them some soft skills. They've given them branded T-shirts, and they make it a little bit more personable, and that gets it past it. And it's no different in our business. Um, Your site, uh, someone said, uh, please tell me your site and how I can reach you. Sure. So our site is fireracker.com, F-I-R-R-A-C-K-E-R.com. They can reach out there. There's a phone number they can call. They can contact us. There's uh, thousands of products also online. And that's how they can get on our site and and start engaging with us. Please, tell us a a little bit more. Okay. Well, I think the other piece of our business that – uh, some of the uh, some other companies have recognized one of the first deals that uh, we worked on is a company that provides online scheduling software to a lot of small businesses, you know, yoga studios, nail salons, hair salons, gyms, and they were providing scheduling software online to their clients, and they're always looking for unique products that they can offer to their uh, customers that provide value. And I met them at a uh, trade show uh, conference for one of their our mutual clients, and they, their CIO saw the solution that we were providing and immediately said to me, I've got to get you on the phone with our business development team. This is probably the best uh, service that we've seen where we can have you build vertical solutions uh, for our top 10 verticals, and we can offer these bundles with hardware, software, and services to our clients and we can do that. So we have the ability to work with some larger customers, not just small business owners, but franchisors, 
where we can develop solutions that fit what they're trying to solve and then be one of the, uh, I call it, uh, cogs in the wheel, it's the solution that they're providing the franchisee. And that's another uh, go-to-market strategy that we have that we call franchise small-medium business and that we've started on the path on that we've seen a lot of success with where we're working with you know corporate entities to help develop that technology standard and then deliver and maintain that standard at the franchisee level all across the U.S. Uh, Sam, we're coming to the end, end of the pro- program, and you've got so much more. We have to invite you back to be part, to be bar- part of our show again. Uh, uh, can you tell our audience again uh, your website and uh, how they can reach you? Uh, I'm keep, I'm, sure. I have four or five emails across here asking the same thing. Well, it's com. F-I-R-R-A-C-K-E-R. Our toll-free number is 1-855-533-3873. They can also reach us at sales at fireracker.com to engage us. And there's someone kind of always there to help take that first call and put them in the right direction. It's really um, terrific. I'm a little overwhelmed because... uh, you're doing something that's so so uh, important for um, a small business throughout the country. Um, I'm just glad you're on the program. Well, I appreciate the time, and uh, don't be overwhelmed. I think that's a part of the process for a small business owner, where you know we can help them kind of make it underwhelming and make it something that uh-huh. uh, becomes an overwhelming success in, in terms of the use, the use of what we do. Uh, I, I wish I'd known you a few years ago when I've had to install all of this stuff myself and tore, tear, tear my hair out. But but when I have uh, an next installation, I'm definitely going to call you. Okay, well, I appreciate that. I look forward to helping you. Okay, have a good day, Sam. And thank you. Thank you, you too. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with other guests invited to help you, our audience, improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like the show, tell others about it. Want to make a comment or be a guest? Email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Your host was Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Until next time, keep faith with the ideals that made America great. And remember, small business is still the backbone of commerce.